Hey friends, welcome back to the Rooted in Love podcast. My name is Jennifer and I'm so excited to have you here with me today. I'm going to let you be my therapist today. I'm going to unload a little bit of Oh Woe Is Me. As you can see from the title, the best of times, the worst of times. Let us consider God made them both. Goodness, it's shortly here after Independence Day and... I don't know about your part of the world, but in my part of the world, it's been the rainiest June ever. And it looks like July is proving to show June up. Oh, you know, rain is needed. All things are needed. You know, I was thinking today that a summertime rain is completely different than a wintertime rain. But what is it about the rain? I don't know about you, but with me, it makes me slow down a little bit. It makes me reflect. I don't dislike the rain. I only dislike it when it seems to inconvenience my plans like today. You know, the trouble with life is when you know what to do and when to do it, but you don't do it, problems can arise and it's easy to get mad and be upset. And I'm one of those people that Little things do get on my nerves, and I let them compile and compound, and then I explode. I do not like that about myself, but if I'm being honest, that's me. And, I mean, I don't sit, I don't stay parked there. Like, I get frustrated to have a little mini meltdown, and then I'm over it. Thankfully, I don't park there. But I probably shouldn't even drive there. What about you? What do you do when things just don't seem to go the way you want them to? So one of my toxic habits is not paying attention to things and then it becomes an urgency. So I did not see that I was low on goat feed until yesterday evening. The feed store had obviously closed and there's only one feed store that carries the particular feed that I need. So I knew that I was going to get up this morning and do it and... um. I should have gotten on up and gotten there right away, but instead, I milked the goats, took care of morning chores, my son came, and he took me, and everything was going great until it wasn't. So, here we are with a truck bed load of feed and hay and a downpour, and I'm frustrated with myself because I could have planned better, but I didn't, but that's not even the whole incredible that's just like the fifth or sixth thing on the end of a very hard week. But it has me thinking, you know, the best of times and the worst of times. It made me think about that verse. And I believe that was in Ecclesiastes. Let me see. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. And... Chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. I don't know. When I was kind of having my meltdown, it, I recalled this verse. 
And one thing about this life too is sometimes my storm and your storm are completely different. One of ours is no doubt seemingly worse than the other. I think about the things that I'm battling and going through and they really pale in comparison to what some people go through. And the flesh side of me thinks to myself, wow, gosh, I, I need to be so thankful that I'm not going through that. And I am thankful that I'm not. But also at the same time, it doesn't mean that our problems are any um, less of a problem. It's all still a problem. It's just that we all have different ones and we all deal with them differently. And then in looking at this verse... God didn't make today bad. He didn't make the rain to ruin my day. I ruined my day by not planning properly. How many times do we fall into problems and and it's stuff that we created. Like we dug ourselves into this hole. And then we're looking to God to dig us out. And he is so good and so kind and loving and gracious that he always does seem to come through. It's kind of like with your kids. You know how you tell your kids when they're little, don't touch that, don't touch that, and then their consequence is a pop on the hand or maybe a timeout or whatever method of discipline you choose to, to do, but they they have to go through that consequence. Doesn't mean that you don't love them. Doesn't mean that um, it's the end of the world, but it's the same way when we become adults. There's still consequences, and I have to remember that. At any rate, that's, um, you know... I don't know. Have you ever gone through that? Have you ever created a problem for yourself? And and then some people do. It's easy to blame God for things. But it's not. none of it's his fault. You know, Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. You know... I struggle with being diligent in tasks. You know, what's really frustrating is I am so conscientious of time, it's not even funny. Like, I'm the kind of person that I can wake up in the dead in the middle of the night and I can pretty much tell you what time it is. Or I can be out doing chores and not have my phone handy and I can just be like, like my husband's out there with me, I say, what time is it? About 3.30, 3.35? And usually I'm spot on. So... You would think, and I was telling my son this today, you would think that with someone being so conscientious of time, you would think that I would definitely manage it better. It's almost like my awareness of time and my lack of stewarding it well clash to a point of, I can be in utter chaos. You know, and my family is so kind and loving, you know, they tell me, well, you're busy, you have a lot on your plate. I do, and I am, and all that is true, but I also can stop and think about all this blank space of time that I have. I don't know. I'm just so frustrated, and it's it's not just the feed. The the, the feed, I'm not going to say it's ruined. The hay is definitely wet. It'll They're luckily eating it right away, so it's not going to mold, but those bags of feed are wrapped in like a paper um, sack. And you know what paper does when it gets wet? It's absolutely useless. <laughs> so, um, 
And, and of course, I had to buy a whole bunch, you know. It couldn't just be one of those little hauls where you get, like, four bags or something, you know. But, at any rate, I digress back to that. <laughs> I'm only focusing enlarging that because it's the most recent. Whoa. Um, but, I don't know. I, I tend to wait to the last minute to do everything. You know, I, I got pulled. Well, I went to a roadblock in March on my husband's birthday. And, I didn't have proof of insurance in the car with me. And, the officer would not look at my phone. I got my insurance agent on the phone right away and he texted it to me but the officer would not oblige me and look at the phone at all so I had to send in proof of insurance to just you know get it to, you know they were going to just do away with it or whatever and of course I waited till like the two days before it had to be there in June you know it's just I don't know it I it's almost like it's a thorn in my flesh maybe to keep me humble but it, it I tell you what it keeps me it keeps me in a constant state of being mad at myself. I don't know if you've ever been there. I think being mad at ourselves is sometimes harder than being mad at people we love. We're more tender and easy to forgive them, but I know for me, I can really, really wear myself down. At any rate. Um, so, let's talk about the Lord testing the heart. You know... He already knows what we're going to do and how we're going to react to whatever situation. He knows what's coming ahead long before we do. And he already knows. And what it really boils down to, I think, in my opinion, is that he needs us to see what we're made of. It's easy to think you're tough. It's easy to think that you're uh, walking the exact right path. It's easy to think that you're right. But when something happens to bring about a realization... That's when you see what you're made of. James chapter 1, 2, and 4 talks about, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In another version, um, it says steadfast. It uses steadfast instead of perseverance. And I love the word steadfast. Um, but, I mean, we're supposed to consider it joy. I know, I feel like some of the trials that I go through are brought on by myself, by me. How can I be joyful with myself? How can I get over it when it's me that waits till the 11th hour to get XYZ done. We run a business and I will push paperwork to the 11th hour and it's not like I've done it one, two, three, four, five times. No, it seems to be an ongoing thing. Tax time. I'm, you know, scrambling. And so I keep asking myself, when will I learn? When will I learn? And I think that it's probably, if I had to try to sit here and figure out the why, it's probably because I'm not I'm not learning that lesson, so I keep taking that same test. It's what it has to be. So for me, the considering it joy, I I guess I would have to say that I thank you, Father in heaven, for not giving up on me. Thank you, Lord, for showing me my errors constantly. Because that's how I'm gonna overcome. That's where I'm gonna find victory. I mean, if you were a runner in a race or a swimmer in a um, swimming competition, you couldn't just make 10 laps and be the best and the first and the fastest. 
you're constantly beating your own time if you think about it. I mean, you're really just trying to be better than the you you were at the last race or relay or practice. And I guess it's the same way with life. So that's where I find my joy is knowing that God loves me enough to not leave me where I am. Which also, I told him this morning, I was like, I don't know what redeeming quality you saw in me to go to the cross for me. But thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you saw something I don't. So, I don't know if you've been there. I don't know what thorn may be in your uh, flesh that just keeps you coming back to the Lord, keeps you humble. But goodness gracious, I pray that we can overcome together. You know, if you think about it, you know, the Israelites took a, I think it was what's supposed to be just like an 11 day journey and turned it into a 40 year ordeal, <laughs> wilderness wandering. Why? Well, because they were an unbelieving generation. They um, moaned and complained and whined. And um, all they could keep referring back to was how good they had it in Egypt. And poor Moses. You know, Moses is the um, is an Old Testament mirror to Jesus. Moses literally interceded for them. Just as Jesus has interceded for us. It's only because of them you know I want to read this real quick I hope it goes quick but I found it online and it's just a quick little synopsis here of everything but it says wilderness wandering refers to the plight of the Israelites due to their disobedience and unbelief nearly 3500 years ago the Lord delivered his people from Egyptian bondage as described in Exodus chapters 1 through 12 they were to take possession of the land God promised their forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey, Exodus 3.8. Prior to entry, however, they became convinced they could not oust the current inhabitants of the land, even though God told them they could. Their lack of belief in God's word and promises brought forth the wrath of God. He cursed them for 40 years of wilderness wandering until the unbelieving generation died off, never stepping foot in the promised land. A seven-year famine was responsible for God's chosen people ending up in Egypt. Initially, they flourished under the leadership of Joseph, number two in charge of the country after Pharaoh. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt, Exodus 1, 6, and soon the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. For the next several centuries, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, who worked them ruthlessly, Exodus 1, 13. Eventually, God heard their cries and sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them. After enduring the last of the ten plagues, the death of the firstborn males, Pharaoh finally agreed to release the Israelites. Upon their arrival at Kadesh Barnea, which bordered the promised land of Canaan, they sent out twelve spies to survey the land and its people. Numbers 13, 8-25. They returned after 40 days of exploration. Ten of the spies had a bad report. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. All the people who, who we saw were great of size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Numbers 13, 31-33. Only Joshua and Caleb dissented. Numbers 14, 6-7. 
Believing the report of the ten doubters, the people lost heart and rebelled. They raised their voices and wept aloud, grumbling against Moses and Aaron, saying, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Numbers 14, 1-2. Emphasis added. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the miraculous, miraculous signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. Numbers 14, 11. However, Moses once again interceded for his people and turned away the wrath of God. Y'all, let's just stop and park right here for just a second. Jesus has turned away the wrath of God that we have coming to us. The penalty for our sins and disobedience. And Jesus literally has stepped in and took it. And I don't know about you, but that gives me so much uh, hope. And it humbles me and it makes me so thankful. And that's why we should serve Jesus. Not for what he can do for us. But because of what he's already done. We don't love to get... We've already... We, we love him because he truly first loved us. And that's what I have to remember. So let's keep going. Although God did forgive them, he decided that not one of them will ever see the land. I promised on oath to their forefathers, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Rather, they would suffer by wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. One for each of the 40 days they explored the land. Numbers 14.34 Furthermore, God would give them what they asked for. I will do the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more. Additionally, the 10 men who had given the bad report were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Numbers 14.37 Only Joshua and Caleb survived the two faithful spies who believed God's promise to give the land over to them. God had promised them victory. The land he commanded to them to go in and take was already theirs. They simply had to trust and obey. Did y'all catch that? It was already theirs. So like, like there was nothing in themselves that could make that be theirs. It was already theirs. They just had this one thing to do. Well, two things. Trust and obey. And the thing about obedience is, is you have to trust God to be obedient. So they, they really go together. And then when you trust God, you're more likely to be obedient to him because you trust whatever he's saying. Do you see how trust and obedience truly go together like peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> Some of y'all are probably like, oh, I don't like peanut butter and jelly, but you get what I'm saying here. But this they did not do. God will never lead us where his grace cannot provide for us or his power cannot protect us. Indeed, the Israelites had seen the powerful hand of God at work during the plagues and miracles of the Exodus. Yet, like many people, they walked by sight and not by faith, and their unbelief displeased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews eleven six. Their failure to believe in God's word kept them from entering the promised land. The truth has never changed. It's still the same. God is the same God right now that he was right then in those wilderness wanderings. Do we get that? Do we truly grasp that? I don't know that some of us do. Do I grasp it fully? Because there's times when it sure doesn't seem like it. I'll just say this. I'm so thankful that 
though I go through many things, God is so faithful to me. And let me just point this out to you. It mentioned in there that they saw what he done, the miracles. Have we not seen miracles ourselves? Friend, I have to tell you that if you don't have one miracle, if you were in a room full of people and they could ask you, tell us a time when you've seen the mighty hand of God. Tell us a thing that has happened that can only be explained by God. That no other way, no other thing, no other reason. Friend, if you can't tell a story, hopefully directly, that happened to you in your life. But if, if not that, then if you can't tell of a story of, of a friend or a brother or sister in Christ that you've heard. If you can't share a story of God's miraculous hand in, in your life or someone close to you. I encourage you so much. Dig deeper, dive deeper, walk, um, walk, I don't know what even I'm trying to say to you. I guess what I'm saying is get close to him, draw near to him. He's there waiting. And I'm so thankful that he is. So friend, if you're a sister or brother in Christ and you're listening to this and you know all the things to do yet you find yourself not doing them or vice versa, Know that you're not alone. We are human and we are flawed to the nth degree. But, but God. Praise him who never gives up on us. And if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord and you've never given your heart to him and repented and turned from your ways and 100% decided to walk in his will for your life, I encourage you, Lord, to seek someone. I encourage you that God is the same and his wrath is coming. But for those who have claimed Jesus as their Savior, the debt's been paid in full for us. Anyways, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Whatever the weather's like, just remember God made it all. The good, the bad, the rain, the sun. And if you really think about what those seasons make you feel, that should also be sort of a pattern for what you're supposed to be doing. For me, it, who knows, a good rainy day is probably not the time that I need to take to rest and chill. It's probably more of a, hey, Jen, sit down and regroup and get a plan because one thing I found about me is if I don't have a plan I tend to fail you might be super busy and full speed ahead so for you a rainy day might mean sit down and rest it's all different for each of us but the one thing that's the same is that the Lord made it all and he loves us he loves me he loves you and he already knows your flaws and he loves you no matter what but never stop trying Never give up. Never give up trying to be closer to him. Stronger in the word. Thank y'all and have a great day.